Hi, and thanks for listening to the Turtle Talks podcast, a podcast which will cover the comings and goings of the Happy Dancing Turtle Garden crew through the upcoming year. We'll cover topics ranging from planning your garden to putting your garden to bed. Now, to learn more about us, go to happydancingturtle.org. Now, let's get started. It just means that it's all in order now. Yeah, so now we're all recording. Mics look good. <clears throat> we can get started, can't we? Yeah. Should we get started? Right. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, thank you so much for uh, returning. Uh, we are the uh, Turtle Talks with the Garden Crew. Um, this is the episode 11 of our Summer Garden Appetizer. This is episode number five. Uh, my name is Colin. I do the marketing up here at HTT, and I'm joined with Jim, Brittany, Dave, Allison, and a newcomer, Chris. He is our new guy this year, this, this episode, and he's going to be our campus chef now. He is our campus chef. That's right. We are really excited to have this opportunity for fresh food three times a week, and Chris is the guy that does that for us. And so. this is his third day Yep. So here we're always, we're trial by fire. I mean, you when you get here, you're out of the frying pan and into the fire. That's how it works. Hit the ground running. <laughs> and we can't wait to see what you uh, bring to the table. So I look speak. forward to doing it. It's going to be great. So far, and the experience has been wonderful. Uh, <laughs> it's nice saying, I would like a carrot and getting 12 of them. <laughs> <laughs> Picking, uh, this one will work. <laughs> Eat the rest, I guess, right? Um, cool, I can't wait to see what, what you can do. We can talk about, it's been a while since we had our last podcast. It's been three weeks. I think it's been longer weeks. than that. Let's just say three weeks. Sure, you know? yeah, that makes us feel a little bit better. Benefit of the doubt here, right? <laughs> <laughs> but a lot has happened in the last three, we'll say four weeks, <laughs> in the garden. Um, you guys have hit a frost already, haven't you? A light one, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. A couple yeah. of them, yeah. Well, that's not stopped you, I'm sure. I'm sure that there's been a lot of harvesting for the CSA. Production still is nonstop, from what I understand. What have you guys been doing in the past couple of weeks? What have you seen? What have you been pulling and putting into the CSA? I think since our last podcast, the new thing we harvested was tomatillos. I'm pretty sure we haven't talked about tomatillos. No, that's... That's the ground cherry, isn't it? Or is that something else? It's not a ground cherry. Okay. And I don't think it's related to a ground cherry either. A ground cherry is actually a gooseberry in the gooseberry family. Is that right, Dave? Um, not I'm sure. not sure, actually. Okay. I was reading sure. about them a little bit. But yeah. Okay. Yeah, they, the tomatillos, they grow in a little husk, um, a papery husk. And when they're ripe, you can tell when they're ripe because they have filled out their husk. And they're nice and firm, and they're um, little round, green, sometimes purple fruits, and they're sort of a little bit citrusy if you eat them raw. Mm-hmm. Key ingredient they, in salsa verde? Key, key ingredient in salsa verde? The key ingredient in salsa verde, yes. Yeah, the salsa, that's, Enchil- I think, green, what else do you do salsa, with it, though? Salsa, enchilada sauce. Um, that's pretty much the only thing I do with it. <laughs> Um, you can eat them raw, and I know people will use, make fresh salsa and use a few to dice up, to kind of spice up the salsa, because it's got a nice citrus flavor when it's raw. Chris, do you have any, can you enlighten us on what do you do with tomatillos? Well, they're, 
great for sauces. Um, they help thicken up most of the Mexican food. They also have been uh, skewered and grilled before. That sounds they good. They make a fantastic good. thing with a little bit of shrimp. That sounds real good. Yeah. So, yeah. There's lots of uses for them. Yeah. But we have been harvesting ground cherries, too. Mm. Yes, yes, we, we have. have. And the plants do look similar, tomatillo and ground cherry. They do. Yeah. And the ground cherries are in a husk. Mm -hmm. Yep, they are. You can just pick them up and eat them, though, right? Any, either of them? Uh, yeah, they will. Uh, yeah, when uh, when the ground cherry's ready, they'll um, uh, just kind of fall off the plant. They'll be um, in the husk. The husk will turn like a yellowish brown color, and then they'll just drop on the ground, and you can pick them right up off the ground when they're ripe. Nice. And they're... Yeah, really good. I've eaten them in uh, um, just raw or in desserts, um, and then salsas. Sure. Also, they're sweet and I don't know what you just compare I, them to. They uh, have yeah, a sweet flavor. They uh, have a unique flavor. I encourage everyone to try one if you've never had a ground cherry. <laughs> I like them. Now, so. is is the to tomatillo? Is that something that can last? Through the the frost, I mean that initial no. frost, or no. is that, is that uh, they're uh, they're uh, kind of you treat them like a tomato, like a cherry tomato, I guess. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, the f like we were saying, we hit by frost, so all that <clears throat> stuff that's not winter hardy is is coming out. We picked winter squash today. Tomatoes are pretty much all out of the ground. The peppers, everything that's outside. We still have tomatoes and peppers in the hoop house, but um, mm -hmm. and those will go for a while though, won't they? At least Hopefully. a couple yeah. months, maybe, right? Yeah, depending um, on the weather. Yeah. But uh, we're um, supposed to um, experience some more frost this weekend. so It's a deadline for anything we'll outside, yep. I suppose, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. But mm -hmm. frost means that our work begins. Mm -hmm. Putting you know, the fall, garden to bed. Fall cleanup, yeah. Fall getting the fall cleanup clean stuff done and yep. getting everything out. Everything out and mulched. Get the garlic planted, which we did today. Mm -hmm. So that's all on the ground. Overwinter stuff, sure. We, we talked a little bit about in, in the past couple episodes about um, doing uh, the hazelnut research project, but this year you already have some hazelnuts planted, right? There's hazelnuts that have been here for at least seven or eight years. And so uh, they're producing, been, though. They've been producing for the last couple of years. <clears throat> we harvested, uh, was it, Allison, two baskets? Yes, two of our <clears throat> green baskets. Grocery, grocery full. baskets. Yep. The hand grocery baskets. Mm -hmm. Two of those full of hazelnuts, so those are hanging up drying in the in the shed, and that'll be a winter project to husk those and shell them, and then see what wonderful thing Chris can make out of them. <laughs> what's um, well? What's the? Can you just walk us through what what you would do? Because I saw that they look like little acorns with little wings, right? The little leaves. Mm -hmm. How do you take that and put it in? It's it's a little white nut, isn't it? I mean, you most people know them as filberts. Bar drink. Oh yes. <laughs> yeah, I do know those. <laughs> <laughs> so they um, grow in a clump on the tree, covered in a thick, leafy husk. Um, if you're familiar with how walnuts or butternuts grow, it's kind of like that, um, but they've got kind of like a beak, almost the the husk does. So. When they start, when the husk starts to open up, you can see the nut inside. And we have, we were watching them pretty closely for a couple of weeks to see when they seemed ripe. The outside starts to turn a little bit brown. The husk starts to open a little bit, so you can see through like the beak, you can see the nut. 
makes um, it easier to peel then, I suppose. And it makes it easier yeah. to peel. And um, conventional wisdom says to harvest when they're just a little bit underripe because otherwise the squirrels will beat you to them. <laughs> so we were watching it pretty closely. We knew we had a really good year. I think the um, if you've been watching our Facebook page, we had a post about the mast year that's been going on with the acorns. So sometimes oak trees especially because we talk about oak trees with mast years because it's really noticeable because you have a suddenly you've got a lot of acorns around they're falling all the time they're tinging off your car or your roof maybe step your head on them. you step on them they crunch yep um <laughs> so we we've been talking about the mast year we had and um that just means that all the all the trees in the area produce a lot of nuts there could be reasons for that or probably have to do with this the spring we had that it was a really um, favorable spring for trees blossoming and getting pollinated and then the nuts developing. Yeah, I mean, besides Nutella, I mean, I really can't wait to see what, <laughs> so, <laughs> what so, we can do with them, right? So again, Put our them native, in our uh, gin and tonics, I guess, right? So again, our native hazelnuts, and Chris might not know this, it's probably the only, maybe Brittany too, but um, <clears throat> the native hazelnuts have a very small nut to shell ratio. They're about 35% nut to 65% shell by weight. The European filbert is, is the opposite. So since the 1930s, they've been breeding those to, to put the hardiness and the disease resistance of the American hazelnut and the productivity of the filbert to, to produce a more productive, to make a plant that's more productive produces larger nuts, greater nut to shell ratio, but yet it's hardy for, the, for, the, um, for our climate. Do you guys feel satisfied uh, the amount of produce that has been coming out of the garden this year? This this season? Now that it's starting to wind know, down. It's, it's always a hit and miss. Some some things did really good. Some some things not so good. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, we had a lot of problems with cutworms early on our brassicas, mm -hmm. which really set us back on those. Um, tried to make up for it, and I think we did okay on most things. We got some late stuff going that I don't know. I don't know if it's gonna ever make it or not. Some, some, some broccoli and this stuff that might not. Mm -hmm. We'll see how we'll see how the fall goes. Um, you know, if we get a couple more, three more weeks or so, might do okay. We'll see. Um, Seems like a good year for tomatoes and peppers. Yep. Yes, a definitely. Really good year for tomatoes and peppers and the hoof pulse in particular. And um, had a bad year for garlic. Our garlic did terrible over the winter. Mm -hmm. And that's not. It's not just ours. I've heard a lot of other garlic growers say that they've had problems. They had problems last year, too. Their garlic was small, um, poor survival. So, Now, last year you had a bumper crop of garlic, wasn't it? Or was that two seasons ago? I think it was last summer we had a pretty good garlic crop. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Changing of the moon, maybe, or I don't know. Uh, I think it was just the, cycl the cyclical nature, the temperature swings that we had last spring. Last winter, last spring in particular, um, it got too warm. Maybe things started to grow a little bit, and then it got cold again. I'm not really sure. It's it's, it's not a science, is it? I mean, it's well, there's some science involved, but <laughs> but we're not privy to all of it. We try to stick to the art. One, two, three, four.
if you want to go There ain't nobody gonna do it for you Got to find your own Got to hit your heart should mention the 12-foot sunflowers that if we you have. Pretty impressive. It deserves a mention. That those are some pretty massive, massive sunflowers. I was down picking broccoli underneath some of the sunflowers a while back, <laughs> and I stood up real quick and hit my head. I almost knocked myself out. <laughs> <laughs> Things are mammoth. I mean, they're they got to be pushing 12 feet tall, and some of those heads of, heads of sunflower heads are... Good foot across. Yeah, at least yeah. 12, 14 <laughs> inches across. And right now, they are they are giant. They're taller than any basketball player, but the <laughs> but their heads are so heavy with the, the seeds and everything, they're just right. bending down like a shower head. It's so cool to look yeah. at, you know. How long are they going to last? Are they, they are you going to pull far. them? Yeah? Yeah, the birds will finish them off. Yeah. 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 Did, are, is there any plans to utilize them? Uh, for the seeds in the kitchen, or um, uh, uh, sunflower I do, leaves. Um, I plan on uh, saving some seeds from them. Sure. Uh, just like uh, some of the other the other crops, I've been I've been kind of selecting the fruits that I want to save for seed saving. Um, uh, the peppers and some tomatoes and cucumbers and there's some herbs and flowers also. Well, no, I mean, and that kind of brings about the uh, uh, the whole art to it as well that Jim was talking about was that you see a, a prime example. I mean, look at these sunflowers that are just mm-hmm. gigantic, pristine examples. I mean, it's a great idea that you want to cultivate those for next uh, season and uh, future seasons. Do you have a, a criteria that you go to when you're looking to say, okay, I like this produce right here. I want to mm-hmm. keep it for later. Or do you kind of rely on other entities, well, there's, there's, uh, seed producers or anything like that, companies? There's a lot of science and and art that goes into seed saving. You have to know how that how the pollination works on that seed, whether it's going to be crossbred with another one. It's easier to save seeds off some plants than others. Some some different varieties, like tomatoes and lettuce, are fairly easy. Um, you get into squash, it gets a little more complicated. And then if you get into some of your biennials, like carrots, you have to actually replant them the second season for it get them to, to go to flower and to save the seed. So Dave's kind of taken that under his wing and, and uh, has been doing a lot of the seed saving around here and we hope to be doing more in the future and maybe send them to school down at the seed savers next year. That's a pretty cool event, I guess. I've never been there, but it's like a four-day... Oh, down in Decorah? Yeah, down yeah. in Decorah. At this, at that, I mean, the, you want to talk about seed saving, that's the place to go is mm-hmm. seed savers farm. They get, they get really in-depth into it. Mm-hmm. No, I, I saw the basket next to your desk there, Dave, with the... Uh, <laughs> With the, yeah. the, the, the giant um, uh, sunflowers, with the, mm-hmm. you can see the seeds in there, and they just look yeah. like you could just pick them off and eat them. But you know, yeah. they're not ready yet, obviously. But right. uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know if that's the case for them or not. Yeah, we'll just uh, kind of wait till they dry, and the, the same with the peppers. You know, you can just um, keep them out of the sunlight and uh, in kind of a nice, cool, dry, dry place with airflow, and you just let the uh, uh, let the pepper dry. And then the um, seeds will stay in that um, in that pepper. So, so peppers are are really easy to do. Also, you just um, let them dry out, and just open them up, and then you got the seeds in there. Um, there's other things that need fermenting, uh, like tomatoes. You can just kind of let it um, sit and get rotten almost, um, and they can ferment um, in the tomato. You let them ferment, you said? Yeah, after they uh, ferment um, in the tomato, you can put them in a little bit of water 
and then just kind of swirl them every other day for three or four days. And the ones that sink are your more viable seed. So you want to save the ones that sink. If they, if they float, they're um, not as viable. They are like a hollow seed. They'll get like a little air bubble in them. Make some of them will float. So you just skim off the um, stuff on the top and you save the ones that sink and put them on a paper towel and just let them like, kind of dry a little bit. And that's all you need. Put them in an so, envelope or whatever yep. to the mm-hmm. next year, huh? Yep. Seeds are important. We've lost a lot of our, um, a lot of the varieties that we've had over, that were developed over centuries. Um, a lot of those varieties disappeared over time as as agriculture consolidated and got more commercial, industrial. Hybrids became popular for disease resistance or earliness or other things like that. Easier to grow, but in the Easier meantime, we lost a lot of our flavor and a lot flavor, of the yeah. other mm-hmm. stuff that um, other other more older heirloom type varieties had. And um, there's been a resurgence over the last ten years, twenty years. Um, people have really taken it um, the seed saving thing pretty serious and tried to save some of those varieties that have been developed and. Yeah, seeds are important. Seeds are live. Seeds are alive. They're they're alive. They're living beings, and and um, they're sacred. Um, mm-hmm. uh, one uh, the, the thing about saving seeds, also, it is um, uh, it is good to know. Like, if you're saving seeds from an heirloom variety, they will stay true to that variety. But if you're saving seem, seeds from like a hybrid variety, they will revert back to um, one of the parent varieties that were crossed, so uh, so you won't um, have the same tomato uh, that you started with if you're using a hybrid versus an heirloom. So There's seed libraries all over the place, all over the country, so check out your mm-hmm. local library, see if they have a seed library. Um, there'll be all kinds of information there where you can learn more, and if you don't have one, start one. When I wake up in the morning Drinking coffee on my balcony Trees are dancing to the whistle of the wind Lord, I'm thankful for everything But we're all about eating we're all about shopping and this is one of the steps that that's, I mean, there's a point-to-point connection. You know, the food was grown right here. The food is able to be bought right here. Um, maybe you guys can talk a little bit about that initiative. Whose idea was that to get that started? For those, uh, sorry, for those that uh, don't know, uh, we've been for the past two weeks. Two weeks, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. For the past two weeks... The gardens have been producing peppers and putting them into the local supermarket here, the family market here in Pine River, so, uh, right on their shelf space. And um, it's, I think it's fantastic. Maybe you can talk a little bit mm-hmm. about how it started and uh, what uh, the goal is. Uh, yeah, well, we, we always um, end up with extra produce in the fall, and um, it happens to a lot of people. They um, are... Uh, trying to get rid of all their extra food that they grow. So this is just um, one of those outlets that we've found to get rid of um, all of our overflow. Um, a lot of it does 
go in our CSA, of course, and go into the kitchen. Yeah, we had even more than those two places could use, though. Yeah. Um, well, this you were saying that this is one of your, what this is one of your highlights of this season was that there were so many tomatoes and peppers and everything. It was it was a good year for tomatoes and peppers, but I think um, also it's all about Dave and that he he just has a green thumb for tomatoes and peppers and for everything else too. <laughs> but especially, I know that's a special interest of him of his and. Um, Man, they his tomatoes and peppers look great. <laughs> Just, <laughs> it's incredible. No, I mean there was, I mean there was, colors of the rainbow. Those things. Yes. I mean, mm -hmm. it's just beautiful, and, and they look just like, mm -hmm. like a you know picture, you know. Yep. So. Yeah, I, I mean, I do uh, like growing them, so that that helps also <laughs> if you if you uh, like growing something, and yeah, they're uh, fun to watch grow and see what you can get out of them. Uh, here in Minnesota, um, when I was younger, I didn't even know that we could grow these types of peppers and stuff here, um, which uh, the greenhouses make it um, sure. much easier. Sure. Easier. So. Um, what are some of the kinds, Steve? That yeah. Well, we have your uh, standard green pepper, like your boxy uh, green pepper, and we have uh, some other varieties called a, um, a sheep nose uh, pimento which is a red pepper and um, th they're kind of short and squatty uh, uh, they turn red when they get mature and we have a golden treasure they're called they're kind of a, a longer they almost look like a banana pepper but mm -hmm. they're a little wider and longer and they will get uh, yellow and orange when they're ripe they're sweet and delicious. Mm -hmm. Yep, yes. sweet and delicious. What's uh, the hottest one you have out there? Uh, uh, the hottest one this year is probably just the jalapeno. Uh, we also uh, have a cayenne also that's fairly hot too. Yeah. It's a cayenne. We did have a hot one last year, um, and it was called the Top Hat. And it was just a little, little tiny uh, little pepper and um, on just a short, short little bush. And they um, start out green, and then they go to purple, and then yellow, and then red. Oh, wow. So but do you those, have to wait until they're red? Those were or hot. <laughs> no, you don't have to wait. They're uh, uh, they're hot when they're um, younger too. <laughs> so then you had your anchos too. Yeah. Yep. And then the um, uh, uh, poblano ancho, which is um, kind of a mild pepper. So apparently, when they're green, they're considered a poblano. And then when they turn red, they're considered an ancho. So I think we should pick some of those while they're green so that uh, mm -hmm. Chris can make us some chili rellenos. Yep. Oh. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, and that's like a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, there um, is a flavor difference there, too. There is. From when they're green and red. Yep. So. But the, the grocery store idea came out of some brainstorming sessions we had with the food and water security team here. Mm -hmm. uh, garden group, a.k.a. Um, kind of long-term strategy planning on where we where we're going with some of the social enterprise stuff we've been working on, and and um, kind of the grocery store model, the wholesale model came out of some of that. We've been talking about whether we should do a farm market stand, or um, you know maybe work into some kind of you know permanent building where we could sell produce and maybe put in a some kind of a soup and salad 
restaurant or something, a um, little deli thing or something, and, and um, this was just a way to get our feet wet, kind of, and, and sure. get in the grocery store and start looking at um, how much we can move, what we can get for the product, what they'll pay us for, what they'll pay us for the product, and, yeah. and um, start doing some business planning around that over the winter time. Um, Dave took the initiative, went out and got the store to, to buy them from us. And, yeah. And, yeah, I uh, think we have to give credit to the store too for that's a big being step. excited to work with us, with yeah. the local company. And um, and they were excited, mm -hmm. right, Dave? They yeah, were. they were. Mm -hmm. They're uh, having to dip down into Mexico right now for, for a lot of their peppers. So, um, so yeah, they were uh, really excited that we had them available here and and um it's looking good small so. small hometown grocery stores are are a rare breed and they and they they struggle against the big chains you know the mm -hmm. costcos yeah. and, the, and you know the, yeah. the super walmarts and all those so and the unique thing too about this grocery store is it's family owned it's not um it's not a chain it's mm -hmm. not a franchise which I think is, mm -hmm. is an even rarer. Mm -hmm. And this isn't the first time we sold the grocery store. We did that several years ago, too. We mm -hmm. sold yep. quite a bit through their carrots and mm -hmm. onions and mm -hmm. some peppers, too, I think. And the key for us is to figure out what's profitable and what we can sell to them and, mm -hmm. and, and you know, kind of cover some of our costs of operating <laughs> the garden here. I mean, it's just, so. it, just in terms of freshness, I mean, you guys can pick mm -hmm. these peppers at 10 o'clock in the morning and then get it yeah. to them at 11, well, whatever, after you clean them. Mm -hmm. Compare that to the two-week drive up, you know, thousands of miles, mm -hmm. you know, through heat and cold and everything. So it's going to taste mm -hmm. different. Mm -hmm. Let's just be fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, we'll just go back to the names of these peppers. I mean, who comes up with the names? Top Hat, Snub Nose Sheep. Is that what it was no, called? She, no, Sheep Nose. Sheep Nose. Sheep Nose Pimentos. Pimentos, which is the peppers you make paprika. Is this the pepper yeah. council that comes together and say they have a list, or the, the growers? Some greenhouses, the guys who make the, the peppers come up. Whoever develops yeah. the variety gets yeah. to yeah. name it. Mm -hmm. yeah. Just yeah. like if you just if you discover a new insect, you get to name it. It's your baby. Mm -hmm. I think that could be what you have a list of things that you want the food and water security program to do. I think that would be one. Mm -hmm. Breed a new plant. Breed a new pepper or a new type of yep. produce and get it named after you guys. Okay. That would be, I think that would be a red letter day, seriously. Happy Dancing Turtle Squash. <laughs> With that being said. <laughs> I just want to thank you all for listening in. Um, if you do have any questions or comments, uh, give us uh, a buzz on our email at info at happydancing.org. Uh, we're eager, always happy to hear what you have to say. Um, and we really appreciate you listening. We'll catch you next time. And, and remember that we're willing to take your questions. If you want to email a question to that email address, we'd be happy to cover it in the podcast. Absolutely, absolutely. We are, we are live. I gotta go. No, we'll get to it though. <laughs> <laughs> can, I, can I turn this off yet? Please! Okay, that was a good first draft. Let's, <laughs> let's do it again. Let's do it to start over. I got my phone inside.